Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Flailing Tender Hockey Podcast, an old goalie's views on the week that was in the world of hockey, from junior right up to the NHL and everything in between. There may have been a few too many frozen pucks to the head, but that won't stop this old tender from giving his two cents worth on all things hockey. Very cool. All right, here we go, off and running on this Sunday, December 18th, 2022, the inaugural Flailing Tender Hockey Podcast, and to kick things off, the... Uh, 1993-94 AJHL MVP. <laughs> right here we go. The rookie of the month for the uh, NHL November 96. Former teammate of mine with the Bonneville Pontiacs back in the day. Uh, friend of mine, old Fort McMurray Oil Baron as well. Uh, Harry York, thanks for coming on the show. It says, Harry, it's been a long time. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it's been, uh, what, 20, 30 years? <laughs> I think 28 years, uh, probably 29 years ago to the day, we were probably getting our teeth kicked in by maybe the oil the, the oil barons or the old grizzlies or something. Yeah. Man, those, those teams used to just kick the living tar out of us back in the day, didn't they? You know, and I, I remember coaching my boys here in town, and we'd get beat by some big team, you know, and I thought, you know what, guys? I said, we got beat 18 to 1 by olds in junior hockey. 18 yeah, there was a couple of uh, 15 to nothing scores, I think, that they got on his back-to-back nights when the Olds had those powerhouse uh, Centennial Cup teams back in 93 or 90. I can't remember what it was, but boy, when they get a, a touchdown, and two touchdowns and a two-point converter, and yeah, and we're still going to lose. It's a, it's a tough night in the old rink. Oh, I hated going down to that team, but, you know, we were all so young on that team. It was crazy when I think back about all the talent and all the young kids we had on our team. We just didn't have anyone that knew how to win. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah, that little black thing, it was a problem for me. So I couldn't stop that darn thing. Anyways, Harry, uh, we first met, I think, at Leopard Hurricanes camp back in 1990 in the summer there. Uh, I moved, I went on to Notre Dame. You went and played AAA midget. Uh, you, your your rights were held by uh, the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, if I'm correct correct on that. How, did, how come you didn't end up playing in McMurray that first time around? You know, I went there, and I think it was uh, Bob Murray, I think his name was. And, you know, and I, I think it was like my first or second year playing forward. I was actually a D-man first. Yeah, I remember that, actually. <laughs> and, uh, 
we um, went there and I played five games and I'd scored two goals. I wasn't playing very much. And um, I was with this billet and the cat would piss on my bed every night, <laughs> every night. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? Like, it's not fun, you know? And I remember calling my dad, telling him to come get me. I still could make the AAA midget uh, tryouts back in Red Deer. And, you know, I think about that often now. And I think, you know, where maybe I w- would have went, you know, staying there or maybe things wouldn't have worked out, but I don't know too many dads that maybe would have done that, you know, in today's hockey, right? Like, no son, hang out, hang in there, you know, muscle it out or whatever like that. But I had that at Notre Dame, Harry, where I called my parents and my dad said, you're staying. Like, yeah. you're, you're, you're not coming home. You're staying, you're committed to this. If you quit, then you're coming home. What are you going to do? All right. Yeah. Good point, dad. So that's the way it turned out there. So McMurray had that, that, uh, that reputation of not playing guys who were 16, 17 years old. Like they, they would, they would dress, but they'd sit in the bench the whole season. So it's the way things worked out. Right. I remember they had Russell Sharp that same year. And I think Russ was same age or one year younger. He played five years there. Like yeah. five. Didn't he, I don't even, I don't know if he got a ride or, or anything out of the deal, but he played five years there, you know, and maybe it didn't help. Like, again, I came out of tier two with nothing like, you know, the only thing that helped me was I went back to Fort Murray and it was actually, um, oh, what's his name? It was one of the dads who was a scout. He got me a tryout at roller hockey. <laughs> That's how Yeah, it's of- crazy. Yeah, cause, yeah. So you got traded to to, uh, to Bonneville for Travis Cunningham back in the yeah. summer that year. He ended up in Bonneville. We ended up there 92-93 season and 93-94 seasons. Uh, we had a quite the cast of characters that we uh, had on our team. Guys like uh, Darren Trembecki, Mike German was the captain, uh, yeah. Maurice Chili Snedden. Uh, what do you remember from that first year of that ga- that gang of marauders? Because we um, we didn't win a whole bunch, but boy, oh boy, could we fight. <laughs> well, you know, I don't, you know, it's, it's crazy, Rads. Like, there were some of my best times, like I, but I don't, I don't remember a whole lot of hockey or anything like that i remember the guys in the team really being really good guys um you know there, no one ever had any issues like yeah no i i had fun I, you know we had chris barnes i really liked him as a coach and uh yeah no it was it was good like 1420 sports bar podcast is happy to have teamed up with ruck and sports just in time for the holiday season with golf baseball softball Cross and soccer training accessories, Rocket Sports has all the home or gym training gear you will ever need. Each product is, is designed to stand up to the most rigorous practice settings. Use promo code 1420RUCK at checkout and receive 10% off your purchase at Rocket Sports. Rocket Sports was founded by athletes for athletes, and all their products are engineered to, high, to the highest standards and come with our fair play guarantee and lifetime warranty. Go to rocket.com and look for holiday gift ideas for the weekend warrior or the serious athlete in your life today. Once again, that's one, four, two, zero, R, U, K, K for 10% off. That's audio problem. If you're the last thing you heard, it's Rocket. Harry, come to win. Chris Barnes is our coach that year in Bonneville. I remember we had uh, Larry Paul as our assistant oh, coach. Yeah. I, yeah. I had Larry, and I, I run into Larry once in a while out in Parksville, BC, where my sister lives at the, at the golf course. He's in a men's league there. And he every time that I see him, uh, he always asks if I've seen you. I was like, well, no, I haven't. Like, it's been 30 years, man. Like, it's just the way things go. Go on with your Bonneville story about, about that cast of characters. 
Well, we had, uh, I don't even, I can't remember who even played on my line now, you know, because I mixed the two years up. But I remember Morris and, uh, I didn't, was Scott Davidson there that year? Jigger showed up around uh, Thanksgiving that year. Uh, yeah. Him and Mark Hansen was there. Yeah. Us, okay. Notre, Notre, a couple of Notre Dame guys with like myself. And they, they were there that year. Uh, we missed the playoffs, I think, on the. No, we weren't very good, but we just missed the playoffs that year. And then the second year in Bonneville, we started off but with a guy. And we were off to a flying start. Steve Walker joined us from Ontario. Um, was he, uh, he was a high-scoring uh, guy, big guy, big shot. He was almost like a pro guy. There were some questions of, of his age back then. We thought, there's no way this guy's 20. <laughs> you remember that? I remember that, yeah. I remember that. I think we we're 7-1. We're and one. And Tim Bailey and Ace was our coach, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the only game we lost was against the old Grizzlies, and we lost 3 1. Yeah, uh, Tim was our coach. We had, and we, uh, that once we started off, and who was the, the president of the league back then? He didn't like Mar- Marty Knack. Marty Knack, yeah. I, Marty I don't know why that one just came to, came to, came to mind, uh, but we, uh, I don't think he, we, I don't think he, he liked the replacement either. No, he, he didn't <laughs> like, uh, he didn't like Tim Ace Bailey. Tim got uh, let go for, I, I can't even remember what reason. <laughs> the replacement was uh, Mr. Bill LaForge. Coach LaForge came in, and he he upended that dressing room like nobody's business. He changed stalls for us the whole bit. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember he kicked us out of the dressing room, and we had to do that Sergeant Slaughter workout or something like that. <laughs> just crazy, like absolutely. And we had single file out of the locker, like just crazy. And he he had a ranking system of who was most important on the team, where we sat in the dressing room, and that's how we went out on the ice as well. It was yeah. weird, yeah. Did you uh, remember when he used to make us collect pucks, like if we had goals and stuff like that? Yeah. And we, it was <laughs> maybe one of the games we only won in St. Albert, and they ran out of pucks, and the guy, the ref, would go over to get the next puck, and he's like, we need that puck, and he's like, this is the only puck we got left. <laughs> yeah, every, every goal or assist or whatever, we had to right. put them up at our stalls and all, glue gun them in, in between periods. Like, oh, it was just nuts. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, I run into his son, Bill, with one L. Oh, he's yeah. He's a general manager to, to Seattle Thunderbirds. Oh, is he really? Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Bill the, the hockey yeah. world is so small. It is just absolutely crazy. Like, people you <laughs> run into that you played against or whatever like that. Yeah. Yeah, Bill LaForge, uh, Coach LaForge, he passed away not that well, a few years back now, I guess. But yeah, he was saw, yeah, that was a different way of hockey. Hockey, like if kids are complaining now about how they're treated by coaches and parents, <laughs> like I don't think that the kids from that uh, that are playing junior hockey now, I don't think their parents would let them play with guys like LaForge. Like it was and nuts. You, and aren't you happy that they don't ever have to experience that? Oh, a hundred percent. Like it, it a hundred percent. Just get I, screamed at and beat. Like just, oh, it was nuts. I do remember that game we played against Fort Saskatchewan, and I remember when we'd always get up. We the goal scorers wouldn't play. <laughs> We'd sit on the back of the the bench, and it was like the third period, like ten minutes, and we kind of had like this little line brawl going on. And it was Jay Digger was yeah. had one of his buddies that played in Fort Saskatchewan, and the guy was you know being nice to him, and someone was yelling to hit him. And Digger <laughs> looked at the guy and he said, "I'm sorry," <laughs> and he punched him and he. Put his nose like right over on oh, his like his, oh just, I remember yeah 
Gross. absolute lunacy back then the line brawls and the penalty like you i went on hockey db just looking at some stuff before i got you on the show and, I, and just the penalty minutes that, that, that those two those two years that, that we had and it was it was league wide and it was junior hockey wide back then things things changed definitely in, in the 2000s and, and they are now you, you go to mcmurray harry for your, your last year junior um why didn't you ever think about going to the western league what happened there so I went to, I was a Blazer boy, so I was listed with the Blazers. Well, good luck trying to crack that lineup. Mm-hmm. There's guys like Scott Niedemeyer, you know, Daryl Sador, you know, Scott Bonner, like, you know, pretty decent team in the draft choice. They had Rick Tucker and Ginla and Tyson. Yeah. And I remember playing on lines with these guys, and I, and I remember having just as good as camps as them. And, you know, for one, for some reason or another, like, I just wasn't a known kid, like, you know, and I think some, some of these kids, they're known since peewee. So they get known as a peewee and they get to go all here and there. And I don't know. Um, you still there, Rads? Yep. And, uh, anyways, I I gave it one crack at the can one more time. And it was, it was, um, Mike Babcock. And Mike Babcock had cut me the year before from Team Alberta. I think I was uh, the last cut D-man. And if we went to Moosha, <laughs> and they put us, they put us in these uh, hol- not holiday trailers. I guess they were just mobile homes. Yeah. And uh, the one guy that was supposed to wake us up in the morning <laughs> didn't set his alarm or something like yeah. that, and we missed. Like the first fifteen minutes of practice, oh, Mike was mad. He made yeah, us so run. that'd be the end of that. <laughs> yeah, we, he made us run the stadium, and then he proceeded to cut three of us and kept another kid named Clint Ledoux. And I think I don't remember cut, that name at all. Yeah, so that was my last crack at it. I was just, you know, I was done with it. But there was—I don't know if I ever told you this—there was one more opportunity in my second year in Bonneville. Um, I got a call. And uh, it was Chris, Chris Barnes called me and he said, this guy's going to call you and ask you to go and try out and play a couple games. What do you think? And I said, no, I'm done with the West Hockey, Chris. Yeah. So I picked up, so the phone rang and I picked the phone up and here it was, uh, Graham James asked me to go and. Do- I remember that actually. I yeah. do remember that there was rumblings you going to Swift. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and I remember telling him no, like I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm just going to try this education route and stuff like that. But you know, just, I don't know. I was a late bloomer like that. I always run into people that played against me when I was young and they always say, yeah, you're, you're a late bloomer, you know? So I don't know. I think, I think too many people had caught in their heads that because he's not doing this at Pee Wee or Bantam, he's not going to be able to play junior or something like that. that that's, that's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. That's, that's the big thing now is that you, you can, it, it, it takes one guy to see and you can have a good game and, and the rest of your, your life could be changed, but just with that, and then guys give up pretty early and they, they give it, they just change things up. You went to McMurray, you had a pretty decent season there. Uh, then you, you, what were your product when the season was over in McMurray, you're 20 years old, uh, no scholarship, no nothing going on. What 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 was in your head? Were you were you thinking about a life in the oil and gas industry at that point, or what was in your head when the season was coming to an end? You know, I didn't I didn't have any plan. I thought something would always pop up, and you know, and it was um it was Chad Siebel's dad. Oh, that I actually, remember Siebel, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he actually got me a tryout to go to Chicago to try out play professional roller hockey. And uh, I had a hundred bucks in my pocket with a one-way ticket, had some used 
rollerblades I bought from Canadian Tire and uh, went down there and made it work, you know, and made the team, thank God. And yeah, and I just made friends with the older, like, there's what's crazy about that is like there was guys playing from the International League to East Coast to AJ to AHL that were in there and they they all kind of liked me and knew I was good. I think I led at that team in scoring actually. And roller yeah. hockey was it yeah. the Calgary Rads or something was in that league at one point? I, I think the West, like the West Coast had a team too. Like there was the Vancouver Voodoo and stuff like that. We were called the Chicago Cheetahs Rads. <laughs> and he had Peter Crank on our glass boards, glass boards all the yeah. way around. Crazy, dude. What kind of paychecks were you getting for the the, the Chicago Cheetahs back Two, in the day? 250 bucks a game. <laughs> That's not bad, actually. I mean, yeah. like 40 games, summertime kind of deal? I think I think it was like 25 games or some of that. And they paid for the room and board, and you just had to pay for your groceries and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, we lived in Chicago, and yeah. I don't know, it was... It was Again, it was one of those things where your guy grew up pretty fast over that that year because then I was, that was only two weeks right after Fort Murray, and then yeah. by the time roller hockey finished, I had two more weeks off, and then I finally someone on the team got me a tryout with the Atlanta Knights, yeah. and so I went right to Atlanta, like came home, did some training, went right to Atlanta, and I remember stepping on the ice thinking I couldn't stop because of roller hockey. <laughs> So you're just doing the big loops around all yeah, the time, not yeah. stopping at all. Yeah. Even though I didn't stop a lot or anyways, but I had, a, <laughs> I had a pretty good camp and uh, I actually played the, the black gold game or whatever like that against Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay sent rookies down and we played and I played pretty good in that. And uh, they ended up cutting me and that's how I ended up in Nashville on the East coast. Now, what and, was, uh, playing in Nashville must have been like this is way before the predators, obviously, but playing in yeah. Nashville must've been a blast. I remember we'd always go to this bar. I can't remember this bar, but they had penny beers till 10. <laughs> you had to pay 10 bucks to get in, but you, yeah. pay, you, you just gave them your beer back and they gave you a new one. And I remember, I remember there were some long nights in that building. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you remember when I played volleyball, I didn't drink a lot. Like, no, you know, no, like, you, not like, like the rest of us hooligans where we didn't mind getting down once in a while. Like, no, you weren't a big drinker back in in, in Bonneville or McMurray or at all. But then you, you end up in Nashville. You just go, well, I guess this is what we yeah. do for, for 10 bucks. Why not? I was actually pretty good at it, Reds. <laughs> <laughs> you end up going to Wooster, uh, the, the, the playoffs in the uh, in the AHL. How did that turn about? Did you sign a contract with St. Louis? Or how did that? You end up in Wooster for the playoffs after you got done in uh, in Nashville. How, what uh, what happened there? How did that transpire? So after um, I was in, in uh, East Coast, uh, Mark Humple really liked me. And um, he was our coach. And I don't think I scored until the ninth game. And end up that, that year, I ended up scoring like, I want to say 38 goals, but I was plus 43 at 200 penalty minutes. I was actually a pretty good fighter too, Brad. Who are you and, fighting? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I was actually, I looked around the room and we had all these American kids and I'm like, I'm, I'm our tough guy. Like this isn't good guys. Like this is not good. <laughs> so I actually had to, I had to fight like about five or six times. I actually fought Brad Prefontaine, Richie yep. Walcott, some fu- tough, tough dudes, dude. Like where I was scared for my life. <laughs> yeah. And anyways, I got a call to go to Worcester. And uh, I walked in the office and me and this other kid got called up, Mark Tardiff. And, he, and I remember Jimmy Roberts was a coach there and he was talking to Mark and saying, you know, because Mark was a draft choice. Yeah. 
saying that he was going to get lots of opportunities and basically looked at me and said that I was there to fill a jersey and probably be back in Nashville in a couple of days. You know, I had a couple of practices and didn't even know if I was going to play in any of the games, really. And I got into a game and I can't remember what the score is, but we were getting shit pumped. And uh, they, um, they gave me uh, some ice time. So I did pretty good. Next, they started playing me a little bit more. I ended up getting a goal and assist that game. Next game, I played again, but I barely played, and I ended up getting another goal. Well, the next game, they sent Mark down, and they said, I'm going to give you a regular shift. So I scored a hat trick. <laughs> hey, this is easy. Just give me a chance. Yeah, scoring. Well, I, I honestly thought it was easy. I didn't have to look over my shoulder, worry about some guy beating me up. Like, I didn't have – you could go around and hit people without any consequences. Like, yeah. it, was, it was totally easier. And uh, I ended up getting, like, eight goals in eight games that had 13 points or something like that. And uh, Jimmy Roberts called me in, and I remember this exact – do you do drugs? <laughs> I'm like, no. What, what's your problem then? And I'm like, I don't know. What do you mean? What's my problem? He's like, I don't understand how you're still here. Like, you're six foot two, 230 pounds. You skate good. You can score goals. Like, you should be drafted. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just late bloomer. Yeah. Well, I can do your contract for you. This is my coach talking to me. I want a box of stogies, though. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I signed my first NHL deal was through, um, Jimmy Roberts. He did my contract for me. Actually did pretty good, Raz. Yeah. I ended up getting, I think, eight fifty over two years or something like that. And just out of like, nowhere, hey. Yeah. And what was crazy was that that year we went to the playoffs and we played Portland. And a lot of people don't know this. And we played Portland and we lose. And I think me and this other guy, we tied for our team scoring that that in the playoffs. I'm in the hotel in Worcester and I'm going home. I am done with being on the road. Yeah. I've only had maybe two weeks at home. Pack my stuff with phone rings. Pick up the phone. And I'm like, hello, Harry York. And I'm like, yep, Mike Keenan. Oh, <laughs> so no. I heard, I heard we just signed you. And uh, I'm like, yep. Because you want to come practice with us during the playoffs? <laughs> and I'm like, can I call you back, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to go home, man. <laughs> yeah, so I hung up the phone. I remember calling my mom, and I remember just bawling my head off. I just wanted to go home. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd, I must have been 21 at the time. And, uh, you know, she talked me into going because Wayne Gretz Brett, was there, right? Yeah. So I ended up calling, and I ended up going, and I ended up spending another two weeks on the road there. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit different pay there too, but <laughs> yeah. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, but it was good. Like I, I, you know, I got to meet grads and you know, and getting what taking all the NHL. But again, like crap. Like they had all Hugo Boss or Marty. I thought about this the other day. You know what? And no one teased me at all. That's I Just had good guys. Yeah, I had Banana Republic pants. <laughs> Doc, Doc Martin freaking shoes. You and, were still sporting yeah. the Doc Martin shoes, those old things? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I but I know I I know I didn't have a Hugo Boss suit. <laughs> you know. Oh, and you that's know, funny. Not, not one person said anything to me or you know, teased me. Like again, I'm making two hundred and fifty dollars a week in East Coast. Yeah. These guys are making 
that a second. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like it's uh, we'll get to that in a second. You go to your first NHL camp with St. Louis that like later on that summer, obviously. What was it like walking into that? Like you already had your 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 playoff experience, like you just said. But when you go into camp, did you did you have a spot on the team or did you have to make the team? What what was the role there in your first year? Well, no, I I showed him camp. And I remember I trained my butt off all winter, all, all summer. Yeah. And they before I left camp, um, they said, if you come over 215, we're going to cut you. I don't think I've been 215 ever in my life. Right? No, you, you weren't. You were a big boy back in the Bonneville days, for sure. Like, there was no getting around that. Yeah, so I left Pinocchio at 222. Uh-oh. And I remember calling my buddy up and saying, well, I didn't make weight. So let's go get drunk. <laughs> so we went and got into a bottle of whiskey, and that wasn't the, probably the best choice. And uh, ended up flying out the next day, early that next day, and hadn't had nothing to eat and stopped in. Uh, we stopped at a, I had a, a delay, uh, a layover somewhere. And I said, well, I better eat something. So I grabbed a chicken focaccia sandwich and ate the chicken out of it and had yep. a bottle of water. Rolled into St. Louis like at 10 after 8. Terry Virtue was my roommate uh-huh. and uh, I get on the phone right away to get some room service and Terry looks at me. Goes, You're still eating. Yeah. You can't get room service after eight, dude. <laughs> and I like, really? So the only thing I had was a chicken focaccia sandwich and a bottle of water. Yeah. Before I left, I, 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 my trainer was a little worried that I wasn't going to make weight either. And she was a professional bodybuilder. I don't know what she gave me, but she gave me this pill and told me to take this pill before I go to bed. And I took this pill. And of course, being Y, it's alphabetical. I don't think I weighed in, so I couldn't theoretically eat anything till 11 the next day. Yeah, I was the last guy to weigh in. There was one guy behind me, Libor Zabransky. I just remember that. And yeah. they had this huge, huge plate of fruit in front of us. Like It was like this mountain of fruit. Yeah, And I, just, I couldn't wait to eat. And the guy goes, York, it's your turn to weigh in. So I go in there and I take my shirt off and my, you're just in your, like, your sports underwear. And yeah. I remember a bunch of guys coming up to me like, Yorkie, you look amazing. And they're like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, I won't step be here on, long, but whatever. <laughs> step, uh, step on the scale, I'm 214. No. Whatever this pill I got See, was, made your career. Dropped, yeah, it just dropped all the water. So long story short, I start loading creatine. <laughs> in two days, I'm 227 pounds. Back to your plane weight, weight where you're comfortable with. Yeah. The, uh, the scout comes, the, co- the trainer comes to me and they're like, what the hell's going on? So I tell them the whole story and they're like, we'll never do that to you again. So that, that, was, that was the benefit of it. But, you know, I rolled in there and uh, Jimmy Roberts was the assistant coach now, yeah. the guy who did my contract. So I didn't have a spot, but I knew, I knew they liked me. Um, but I remember it was like third or fourth game and we were playing Buffalo and it was an exhibition game. And I remember Mike sat down right beside me on the bench and he went up and down me. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. And then I went to get up to change and he grabbed me by the back of my pants and he threw me down. And he said, too slow. Next guy. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time now I'm about in the middle of the bench and yeah. Oh, Tony Twist is to my left, and Mark Bergeron is to my to his left. And Mark leads over, goes, Yorkie, don't worry about it. 
One time he kicked me in Chicago. I peed blood. <laughs> Jesus. Mer- was he just a, like, a, was he rotten? Not, I don't say rotten, but was he just evil to the core, Mike Keenan? Oh, I, I got along with Mike. Like Mike had a very black and white relationship with you. Like, yeah, I, I could never say anything bad about Mike. Yeah. Like this, this is the way Mike would operate. Um, we were playing in Edmonton and Peter, this is like a minute left in the game. I tell the story lots and, and, uh, Peter Zazel's taking the face off against Jason or not. And are just killing him. There was a timeout and stuff like that. And me, I'm sitting with Mac T and Peter comes down and we're trying to tell him how to beat or not. And I, and I just said, I just told him, just said, like, don't want muscle him. Just beat him with speed. Like just beat him with speed. Yeah. And my, Mike hears this. And he comes down there and he says, you think you can win? I'm like, yeah, I know I can win. All right, go take the face off. <laughs> Just like that. So here I put these two Hall of Famers on the bench. Yeah. And I go take this face off in their zone. And Raj, you know me, like, I'm like, open that. I'm shooting it from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I shot it twice. One was icing and one would just kill the rest of the time. But yeah, no, it was, he was that, he was that guy though. Like if he. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I don't know if he, if you worked hard for him, he, you benefited, but if you were like a superstar and you didn't work hard, like you were going to ride the pine. Yeah. He didn't like, you see, like he had his, he had his guys. He liked throughout the league. Like he, he'd bring a lot of guys to whatever team he ended up coaching through. Like he, cause he, you ended up with him in Vancouver later on, didn't you? Yeah. He picked me up in Vancouver. And again, I took off again. Like I had five goals in the first five games there and, you know, and played a regular shift, but you know, when I, when I was leaving, um, that whole, like, really structured game was coming in, like Joel Quinville, yeah. stick on puck and stuff like that. And, man, if you couldn't adapt to that, and you know, and he, he had a hard time. And, you know, I don't think I ever learned that, Rads. Like, did we ever get taught defensive play? <laughs> no. Go that way. Off the glass and out. Get out of here. Go get it and score and whatever it was. Yeah, it's just, it's different how the games changed a whole bunch. Harry, when you when you first got into like that that first year, when did you have your holy shit moment? Like you're you're sitting in the dressing room in St. Louis and you got guys like Grant Pure and Brett Hall and the like and you like and Mac McTavish, like you said, and you're looking around and you go, "What the hell's going on here?" Did you, when when was your your first holy shit moment? Oh man. I think the first, the very first time I stepped on the ice with St. Louis and in the playoffs that first year, um, we were doing a two on two drill and it was just like, you were in like P 
Peewees or Adams. Yeah. And I look, oh, I look over the other line and it's Wayne Gretzky and yeah. I'm going to go on two on two with Wayne Gretzky. And I remember trying to shuffle myself back <laughs> to not be with him. Yeah. And the other guys would push me forward and like, no, 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 no. You're going, <laughs> well, I'm not, you go, I'm not. Yeah. That's- so I, end up, I end up going, I think you end up feed me for a goal, but you know, there's an old saying like, and I, and I probably should have maybe took this more to heart is like, don't think that the big check is always going to be coming in. You get comfortable. And there's an old saying, if you make five years in for life and you know, I got hurt six and yeah. you know, you just, you take things for a lot of grant granted. Like I didn't get anyone's sticks. I didn't ask for anyone for anything. And you know, there was guys like Darren Lang and shit. He would take like, five sets of gear home a year, right? <laughs> just have all this stuff just in case for memory's sake, give it to your kids and grandkids and everything else. Yeah, it's crazy. He had half of Newfoundland suited up as New York Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you, uh, like You your first year in St. Louis, your first full year when we started playing, you and Jim Campbell were flying to start that season off. And I remember uh, I was uh, in a bar or something in Fort McLeod. And I remember hearing, or seeing you on TV because we, we lost touch as most people do throughout uh, like the hockey world. And, uh, but I was like, Holy shit, that's Harry York. And you and Campbell <laughs> got off to a flying start that, that year. What was the, uh, the, you think the key to your success was that year? Cause I remember watching you're like, like I said, you got rookie of the, of the month in your, in your second month in the league. Like what was your, you and Campbell, what were you guys on? Like what was going on there? Just well, a chance to I play. Think, I think it was just the chance play. And also here's a guy that, you know, just let us play. Like I remember Brett Hall actually sitting on the bench one time and, and they moved him off his line to our line and he, and he was thankful for it. He actually says, it's about time I get to play with you too. Like we were just wide open and, you know, Jimmy wanted to do good. I want to do good. And, you know, and I think there's that newness, like when you're just, you don't realize how hard you're working. Like, yeah. and it's that newness that, you know, you got to work. I think it's the, the comfortable feeling is what kills an NHL or, but it's that new. You just look at any rookie that comes in the year in the league, man. They're flying out there, like you know, like shit. I think at one time I was leading the rookie of the year, and there I have this article, and it says that I'm going to make 25 grand bonus if I win rookie of the year. <laughs> Jerome, Jerome McGinley was in second. They said if he was going to win rookie of the year, he was going to make a half a million. <laughs> <laughs> Different <laughs> agents back. Did you even have an agent? My, my coach was my agent. <laughs> I didn't even have an agent at that time. I just had that contract, right? Yeah. So then I kind of thought, well, that's not the very good contract at all. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, we, we got to renegotiate this somehow, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a it was a ride. Like, you know, and I, I had some offensive skill, but I think then Chell just, for me, <clears throat> really beat me down after a while. Like, that. That second year, I should have probably just asked for a trade, but I, I, I thought I could win the ice time back. I was losing, and um, it just wasn't. And I remember the, day, being the, the full-time coach there, didn't he? Second yeah, year? Yeah. Yeah, and I remember the day, too. I'm sitting on the bench, and uh, and I'm barely playing now. Like I'm only playing like four minutes a game, and Kelly, Kelly Chase and Tony Twist are my line mates. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, and I remember saying to myself, you know, I make $325,000 and I play four minutes a game. Yeah. Like, pretty good job. Pretty good living. Pretty good yeah, living. You know, and and at, at that moment, I remember when I scored that overtime winner my first year, I remember being mad I wasn't on the ice because Brett Hall was on the ice. And I remember being mad. I'm yeah. like, come on, like, get me out there. Like, I can win this game. Like, 
you know, as far fetched as that was, that was the mentality you had to have, I guess, you know, like you can, I don't know. It was just, I, I always think of those two mentalities where one yeah. mentality, I'm actually mad that a hall of famer is on the ice over me. And the other mentality is I'm sitting on the other, on the bench thing. I have a great job at playing. And then, and then that's it. And then what we get, you get content with anything in life. Really? That, that's pretty, you're, yeah. you might as well call her good because if you get too, too, uh, lax on it, it's just not going to, it's tough to get that back. There's no getting around yeah. that. You get yeah. traded to New York. You finally get get, get out of St. Louis. You get to Madison square garden, the whole bit. What was it like playing in New York? Like you weren't there. Like you end, you ended the, the, your second season in New York and then you had the summer off. You went back to New York. What, what didn't go right there? Was it just that mentality that you're in the NHL and good enough? No, my first game, uh, crap. We, I remember I have a video of actually it and, uh, the, the crowd started cheering Harry, Harry, Harry. I had an amazing game. And the second shift in the second game, Keith Primo hit me and uh, blew my shoulder out. Yeah. That was the end of that year. And the following year I came back and I don't know, John, John Muckler just didn't like me. I remember, Rads, this is how mentally abusive some of this stuff can be. He, they sent me to the minors. I was there for 30 games, and I played five. They sent me to the minors, and they couldn't send me to the minors. They actually legally couldn't send me to the minors, but they sent me to the minors just to get bag skated. I remember my agent calling me, where are yeah. you? And I'm, I'm in Hartford. He goes, you can't be in Hartford. And go, oh, I'm here. <laughs> That's where I am. It's, yeah. yeah. Couldn't play, couldn't practice, nothing. I was sent to the minors. They didn't waive me or anything like that. So my agent actually had to call and file a complaint against them. Yeah. And, you know, back in those days, man, it was it was crazy, dude. Like, you well, think... The, like the old boys club, especially those old, those old oh. Oilers and stuff, right? Like, they just they just ran the league and they, they ran their own systems and that was it. Like, that was the old boys club back then. It was it was tough to get into. And like you said, like, it was it was nobody knew you and nobody uh, knew what was going on. And, and being a late bloomer is one thing, but uh, to not be given a chance by a lot of these these uh, organizations, it's, it's crazy how that was back then. Yeah, like, I remember we had this practice. And I remember the the guys in a dressing room. Like, I was sitting right by Gretz. And I remember guys in the dressing room talking about who was the whipping boy and stuff like that. And I remember they traded him. <laughs> and that 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 kind of trickled down to me. Yeah. And I remember we were in, the, in practice. And I, I laid this backhand pass out. And it had just kind of too much tail and kind of tailed away from the guy. While Mox stopped the practice and went, like, I'm not lying. I'm 22 years old at the time. Yeah. I was, I was probably that close to tears. And, and I, and I think of this all the time because, you know, everyone has their struggles in life and stuff like that, but we had Kevin Stevens on that team Yeah, and everyone knows what happened with Kevin and stuff like that. Yeah, and he, he had a hard go over for sure. Yeah. He skates over to me and he says, next time that happens, Harry, you tell that guy to F right off. He said, he can't do anything to you. Kick him square in the nuts. I don't care. But he said, you don't let him ever do that to you again. <laughs> and you know what? He was right. And you know what? I always tell my son, like, you got to stand up for yourself. And back in those days, I think you were just so scared to get blackballed. And, you know, you know how hockey was. Like, yeah, because everybody, so everybody knew somebody. Everybody knows somebody. And this is like, and it's such, it was such a small, a small, a small yeah. old boys club that you just, this is what it was. And if you said the wrong thing to the wrong person, that was it. And you, you, you didn't like, you didn't get your chance in the Western League. And then yeah. to, to move on after that, that was it. Like it was, it was pretty ruthless back then. There's no getting around that. You, 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 you get done in New York, you go to Pittsburgh for just a, a short time. Um, we won't even talk about that. You go to Vancouver, you get a second lease at it. And, uh, 
things went pretty good there in, in your first year. You guys, you guys uh, didn't have, you might as well had, had me in that for fuck's sake. So instead of having Gar Snow, um, that, you guys had a pretty good team there in Vancouver and Messier was there, wasn't he? Yeah. Moose man was there again, probably the one of the best always I've ever met. Um, you know, it was one of those things like I liked Vancouver, man. Like it was yeah. awesome. It was just a good time and, you know, just, fit in really good with the team. They were right all about the same size. And again, it was one of those things where like Mike gave me opportunity and, you know, I ran with it and, you know, I wasn't a bad hockey player. Just, you know, there's, it's one of those things where you get coached that like you and not like you and stuff like that. And you struggle away and you develop some confidence and all of a sudden, man, you're, you turn out to be a pretty decent freaking player, you know, like, um, it was one of those things that was just a good good spot for me. And I liked it. And even when they brought in Crawford, like we got, I got along with, mark and he liked the way it played and you know so it was one of those things where it, it just was a good fit <clears throat> that was probably my other than my first year those two years in vancouver were probably my finest yeah because you, you, you did you what what happened to, to andy you get concussion problems wasn't it i fell on the ice on a lid on i the yeah. my my lid fell off and i fell like on uh, the ice my yeah. my my face hit the ice accidentally. <laughs> accidentally, yeah, that that's uh, that's not good. So yeah, then then it was just that that's it. Like five years. I mean, you you got to live out your childhood dream. There's no getting around that. And there was probably a time or two you thought it wasn't going to happen, but it happened. And like you, you look back 20, 30 years later from where we were in Bonneville and Fort McMurray and riding those buses and, and the like and having a good time and smiling, and you get to end up. Uh, a few short later's playing in Madison Square Garden. It must have been. It must have been quite the uh, like. This is pretty great. Well, you know, there's so many memories. Like, you know, I scored that. <clears throat> I I set Brett Hall up with like three seconds left to send us in overtime, and I end up scoring in overtime from Brett. And you know, I threw my gloves off. Yeah, I've, I've seen that that on YouTube a few times. Maybe I'll clip <laughs> yeah. that with this here because yeah, you're throwing throwing your gloves in yeah. there and you're in excitement. And that reminded me of some goals. Like you always like scoring goals, no matter what was in practice or or, or in games. You you always get because the whole point of the game is to score goals, yeah. right? But yeah, that video of you uh, jumping around, it was like you were in Mighty Might Hockey or something back you, then. Yeah. You know what's crazy about that is I remember like remember um, Don Cherry just hated like the fancy celebrations and yeah. stuff like that. So the following week, they had me on Coach's Corner, and they actually had a Bonneville Pontiac. Um, uh, what was not not a brochure? Um, they hand out before games. What's that called? Program. A program. Yeah, they had a Bonneville program. And they're like, yeah, from Bonneville, you know, he played his hockey Bonneville. And he goes, and Don was explaining how he let me do this because of where I came from. <laughs> he goes, he's just excited to play in the league. You know, he, where'd he play in the East Coast? The East Coast like, of the Alberta yeah. League. Who is yeah, this yeah, guy? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I always tell people, you know, if there's a will, there's a way to, and just keep playing. But and in today's world, I don't know if there is. Like now it's like how much money you want to spend. And I don't know. It's just, it's crazy how hockey has changed so much. You know, like there's kids that haven't even played in an Alberta Junior Hockey League game with full rides. Like, I, I remember talking to Grant Stanbrook about uh, getting a ride, and it, it, it was impossible almost to get a full ride back in those days. Like, yeah, you know, and everybody like, had these these crazy dreams that they were going to get one, but you, they can only take so many Canadian players as it is and, and the, the different rules that, 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 that exist. But you had these crazy dreams back then, and there's, and there's all these different people nowadays – we can talk about that. Yeah, let's get into that. Like your, your your boy plays and the 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 triple A eighteen U or whatever uh, in Sherwood Park, and the, just the, the way the parents' mentality is, and the I don't want to say false hopes, but the different hopes that these parents 
have of their kids. It's almost like they're they're looking for a paycheck that's that might not be there. And it's just the absolute lunacy that that goes on through, throughout hockey. What's your thoughts on that, Harry? Well, we've tried to do the most economical way that we could have done it. Like we never put our son in an academy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we do do some hockey schools once in a while, but I do a lot of skates myself for some kids locally. But you know, it's one of those things where uh, you know you, you spend like there. There was someone put a post out the other day that they're congratulating someone on their two hundred point in the CCHL. Nothing against the CCHL, nothing against it. But okay, how how many years does it take to score two hundred points in the academy league? Maybe two, three years. Yeah. Okay, we'll take the cheapest school. We'll cheap. I think maybe NAX might be the cheapest at twenty two grand. That's that's sixty five thousand dollars. Like I don't know about where you've been and I, where I've been, and I and I see hockey. Get it. Get an education, people. Like you know, like yeah. that's one thing I would. I tell my son, you know, and my son's a smart kid. Like I tell him, I'm like, school is important, you know, and we'll miss we'll miss a practice and we'll go to school. Like it's it is one of those things where it's just like if he can get anything out of it and get a partial ride, that's better than anything for me, right? But that is your NHL. But I remember we sat out in our team Alberta, we're Winter Games kids, and we had the top. 40 kids of our age group in Calgary. Mike Babcock and Ray Bennett were our coaches. Both guys have played in NHL. I think Ray Bennett won the Stanley Cup this year with uh, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And they stood up, they told us to all stand up, and they said, everyone sit down except for Stacy Roost. Do you remember Stacy Roost? I was at that camp. Yeah. I, I know Stacy from years ago. Yeah, I, I, I was at that in Calgary that summer. I remember that. It was at SAIT. We were staying at SAIT. Yeah. And they told everyone to sit down. Except for Stacy Roost. Now Mike Babcock says, "Now you cut Stacy Roost in half. That is the odds of one of you making the NHL, not in this room, but in Canada." So he was selling his Red Deer College Kings because remember that's who yeah. he was coaching at the yeah. time. And that's before always, he went down to Lethbridge to coach for the Pronghorns. And yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. And I remember that conversation because I ended up getting cut from that team. I was one of the last. Me kids. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always say I played 200 more NHL games than anyone in that room that made that team. Yeah. Crazy. And I said, and I said, that's how crazy hockey is. Like you just don't know. So I always tell kids, if you can, if you're competing and you're improving and you can skate, those are the three big tangibles in my mind. Like my big thing is I want to get better. I remember hearing Wayne Gretzky saying he scored 60% of his goals on his backhand. Well, I went downstairs and I worked on my backhand. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's the kind of mentality I have. You know, I want to be the best. I want to be better. You know, and if you don't have that drive, it's it's tough to go anywhere if you don't want to push yourself. That that's just it. I got a couple more questions. We'll get you out of here so you can go to your Christmas okay. brunch. That you're. Uh, what's the most outlandish thing that you bought after your first uh, decent paycheck came in? What did you buy yourself? Because I, I've heard a story from somebody. I don't know the truth to it, but I heard a story about you buying a Hummer at one point. Is that true? Oh, I, I had a Hummer. <laughs> I had like seven cars my first year. <laughs> I heard, I heard the stories, but yeah. And one of them could like your Hummer, cause you lived in Edmonton or something and it wouldn't fit in the garage down like the parking garage. Is that Where true? It, 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 it fit. In the parking garage in Vancouver, but it left. It I took a guy's front bumper off with it. 
but I was late to the airport, so I just left a note. <laughs> yeah, so what's the stupidest thing that you bought when you got your first check? You went, holy cow, and you went out and bought something. We used to always go clothes shop with Mark Bridgman. Like, I don't know if you knew who Mark Bridgman is. Yeah. yeah. Close, super clothes horse. Like, loves clothes. Like, honestly, we'd go on the road and we'd, we'd wear the same size. And I would just give him an open check and he would come back with, like, two suits. And, like, and they're always just, like, just awesome suits. Yeah. Go shop one time and there's just, like, this, this coat. And it was, like, $1,500 coat. And he dares me to buy this stupid coat. And it's like an under, Undertaker coat, like yep. a Versace coat. So I, I bought the stupid coat. I'm not lying, Rads. It's in my garage still with a price tag on it. I never even wore it. Never wore it. The hanger is purple because it's dyed all the way back the white hanger. Jesus. <laughs> never wore it. No, I just, you know, I, I, I drove like, a, I didn't drive a fancy car. My Hummer was my fanciest car. I shouldn't say me and Jamie... I, I bought Brett Hall's Viper, had that for a little bit. That's who I heard a story from, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we end up buying these cars all the time. And we'd always, and it was, we were, I was, we were doing well. And I remember we'd be driving on the bus and someone would say, hey, Yorkie, what kind of car is that? And I'm like, oh, that's a Mercedes something. Keep playing the way you are, you buy one of them too. <laughs> <laughs> so... They knew I liked cars, and I think Brett didn't want to get rid of this car. That's the story that I heard. I can't remember who told told me the story, but they, they, Hall came in the dressing room apparently one one day. He said, I, "I hate this stupid car. Who wants to buy it?" And he threw the keys out, and you you, you stroked him a check, and here you go. See you later. I ended up having that car for like two years. Great car, but no windows or roof or anything. And I'm like, "What am I doing with this thing?" <laughs> they had a parade in Pinocchio, and a Hummer went by, and I'm like. I got to buy one. <laughs> so I bought that thing. And I had that probably for the longest. I had that right up to my last year in Vancouver. And then I realized to get around Yale town and stuff like that with this Hummer is like, this isn't good. Like, this is not good. Yeah. I heard some stories. I, I, they kept coming up. There was funny stuff. It's a far cry from the, uh, that Mustang. And then that, what do you have that Chevrolet, that, uh, what was that? Like that gray car. Oh, I had an old, a nineteen sixteen Oldsmobile. Yeah, 42. the old Oldsmobile. We cruised around the mean streets of Bonneville and that thing, all, all up and down, doing laps in Main Street in Bonneville. Jeez, that's a long time. Ago. Said, I think of some of the things we did in that car. I think how oh, we didn't get in trouble. Oh man, like just I'm 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 so glad we played when we did, Harry, where there wasn't phones and social media no. and the rest. Like, man, oh man, it's not the way it was illegal activity. It was just not morally right activity. I think is one way of putting it. <laughs> Jesus, just complete mayhem. I, hope my, I just hope my kid never does the same thing. No, I, and I don't think they can, Harry, now, because, like I said, because of uh, everybody's got a, a bloody camera in their pocket, and, like, just the stupid crap. Do you, used to, oh. were, you, were, you, were you there when we used to go get gas? Oh, yeah. Do <laughs> I don't know if you can actually legally say what you used to do, but we'd get a full tank of gas out of 20 bucks or something. Like yeah. That. <laughs> and maybe that was almost a full tag at 20 bucks back. Yeah. Oh, just absolutely stupid. Uh, <laughs> one last one, Harry, before I let you go. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. We've been meaning to do this for, for a long time, but uh, that picture that, that got sent to you by Natalie Ogreduck there uh, with uh, you get cigarettes hanging out of our yaps. I don't even think the things were lit, but I don't even remember where that was, but it's a funny, funny memory. So I thought I'd get you on here. We do this. We've been talking about it for a while. Uh, one last question. Was there an NHL player, a guy that you went on the ice that absolutely scared the shit out of you? 
Yeah, we were talking about this the other day, and and didn't scare me, but there, we used to have these little printouts, and it'd be that their lineup, and it'd be some things that they do good and some things they do bad. And this guy's name was always highlighted, and it was always to be aware when he was on the ice, and it was it was Scott Stevens, like the yeah. guy, the guy could end your career, and you know I was. I was a pretty physical dude. Like I, I had some pretty decent hits on Constantino, Constantinoff and stuff like that. And I remember trying to hit Scott Stevens one time and I thought my lungs collapsed. Like the guy was just a tank. Like, yeah. you know, like I never, the only time I actually was actually generally scared, like actually on the ice is we were playing in Philadelphia and we were doing the power play breakout. Nigor craft trucks behind the net and I'm down. And I swoop down underneath the circle. I'm like, yeah, yeah, give me the puck. Doesn't give it to me. Doesn't give it to me. Fires the puck out like 10 feet in front of me. And I'm like, I'm looking back and I'm like, well, that was stupid. And I looked up, <laughs> I looked up and I see this freaking cement truck coming down the boards. And I'm not lying. When you see Eric Lindros in person, yeah, it, it scares the crap out of you. And he was coming down and I actually flinched when he drew it, went by. <laughs> And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like that guy could have just destroyed me. And they're just massive men, like right, like everyone yeah. in hell is back in those days. Like they huge, could, they could hurt you. Right? Like everybody <laughs> was, was over six feet. Everybody weighed two hundred pounds. Everybody had legs the size. Of, like everybody was massive. The only guy, actually, the only guy who wasn't was Wayne Gretzky. If you think about yeah. it, yeah. And that's what's that's what's mind-boggling about what he does. I remember watching Wayne in New York, and he'd make this pass, and it'd be like Cooper freaking flat, Cooper flat, Cooper flat. And you're thinking, how is this guy playing NHL? And it would go to ten skates, land on someone's skate stick, and you're like, I, I made that pass, and it would never make it through there. And then like, you but, end up on the bench for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there was just it was a different time. Like I know when my son watches games, he said, "Dad, I you could call." 10 penalties on that one shift, you know, like you could clutch. It's so different. Yeah. Now it's like, if you can't skate, the game is, is surpassed you. Like you can't even lay it. You can't even water ski anymore. Like, you know, you yeah. get a, a little tug, right? It's, but, it's just absolutely insane. No, it's, it's, it's great to catch up there. It's been 28 years. We'll try to do this. Cause I don't know if, if, if you and I will be around in 28 more years. So we'll have to try to <laughs> stay in touch a little bit more over, over the, over the future. Have you on the show again, talk about some of these memories, a lot of great stories, Harry. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for coming on the, uh, the first flailing tender podcast. Really, really enjoy catching up with you and talking some great, uh, some great old Bonneville stories. And then some of the, your, your NHL stories. It's, uh, no, it's, it's great catching up to you and it brings back a lot of, uh, a lot of different memories of how like, things all things always get better as we age, right? Things yeah. like, they 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 weren't uh, they weren't the best at times in Bonneville, but look, looking back, they weren't that bad either. Yeah, no, it was again. I wouldn't change anything again. I, I made some decisions in my life, and you know they helped out whether regardless bad or good. But you know I wouldn't change anything. It was a hell of a ride, and you know again that that's thirty years ago, Reds. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Like, same like the same lifestyle. No, it's it definitely different. There's a different. Uh, it's 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 different. It's it's hard to imagine. It's been thirty years. Like I said, when we started this show today, we were probably getting ready to get our teeth kicked in by somebody <laughs> thirty years ago today. There's no doubt about that. And no, we and the thing was, for, we knew we were gonna lose. Yeah, we were positive for warm up. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, do we look good in warm up? Looking at the glass, the whole bit, making sure our jerseys were tucked in properly. But as soon as the puck dropped, boy, Jesus! I think that that second year in Bonnyville under LaForge, we had two 15 game losing skits. Two of them. I just remember it was like, oh, 
you know, and the yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, it's just funny. They, like they were, they were. I wouldn't have imagined with any other guys in the room to to be with because we were all in the same boat and we all, you know, we all took it really well and you know, and what were you supposed to do? We were we were doing as hard and best we could. Like shit, we had we had two guys in the top five in scoring. Like, yeah. You know, like we had we had young a lot of younger teams back then a little bit, but like looking back, who like we had fun. It was a good time. We can say we played junior hockey. You, you can say you went on and played the National Hockey League and had a career. And there's not many people who around the world who can say that. There's only X amount of guys under a thousand that play in the NHL ever, right? So and, and you and you were one of them for, for five years. You made some dough and you, you made some memories the whole bit. So no, congratulations on everything, Harry. It was good catching up with you, and we'll have to uh, do it again sometime soon. We'll uh, talk about some other things. No, it was, it was a lot of fun catching up with you, man. All right, anytime, dude. Okay, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Have, have a good day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 